Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. You know, it's amazing, and I say it a lot because it does speak so loudly to me, that when we were young, you know, it's typical for our, our parents to care for us and providing for our every need. You look back, and those are some, some of the fun years. You didn't know what was what, right? You didn't even know what death was, typically. <clears throat> it visits us early. We find out about it. But when you're in those early, early years of childhood, even before you know anything, Somebody's powdering your butt and cleaning you, putting pampers on you. Or it was cloth diapers in those days, in my days. <laughs> and, uh, you know, feeding you, caring for you, putting clothes on you. We'd be a mess. Just imagine if no one ever cared for you. Uh, well, you wouldn't make it a, probably a day or two or three. Hydration, you die, dehydration. Uh, it's amazing. God, uh, his wonderful care typically through through our parents, or through adopted parents, or through loved ones. It's a way of providing for our every need when we aren't even aware of it. The reality, though, is we could end the sermon at this point. That doesn't stop at that point. God's care and his protection flows to us all the days of our life. He uses all sorts of stuff. We get big bodies, and our toys are more expensive, and we get more sophisticated and edumacated and all that kind of good stuff. And sometimes we end up getting a lot bigger picture of ourselves than what we ought to. But at the end of the day, it is the Lord who is our shepherd. He is the one that cares for us. He gives us breath. He gives us strength. And I've been reminded of that, how weak we are. It's amazing. You know, I've, I've worked out all my life. And, uh, you know, you lay around in bed for a couple weeks, the strength is just gone. You can hardly get out of bed. You go, like, what's the matter with me? I used to be able to do all sorts of stuff. I'm like a wimp now. I'm a wussy. I have joined the ranks of the wussy. Don't tell anyone, you know. Yeah. I had a tough nurse, and she used to say that to me. Stand up. Put weight on that heel. What's the matter? Are you a wuss? Ooh. Ooh, that really got to me. Her name was Maddie. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's true. The Lord cares for us. He provides for us. How much more does the Lord care for us, not just a few years of life through our parents or others, but through every moment of our days? He doesn't do this for others, you know. Oh, there's common grace. God provides the rain. We've had a lot of it this year. The sunshine. He provides that for all mankind. That's called common grace. And God does that. He provides. But providing as a shepherd, as a savior, as our heavenly father, he does that in a special way, completely and only for those who are his own. He doesn't do this for others, but he does this for us who own him as Lord and Savior. Well, Psalm 23 
Perhaps the best love psalm in, out of the whole Psalter, all 150 songs there. Some have said it's probably the best love chapter in all the Bible. Probably so. John 14 might rival it. You know, in my father's house are many mansions. You hear that at funerals too. That's greatly loved. And there are some others. People love John 3.16. But as far as chapters go, probably it's the 23rd Psalm that people know more and love more than most any other chapter in all the Bible. Charles Spurgeon called it the Pearl of the Psalms. The Pearl. For it has dried many, many a tears. Well, this old friend provides us with hope, doesn't it? When our days are filled with frustration. Have you had any of those? Kind of It finds us, doesn't it? Life is growing great, and where did that come from? Oh, great. That's all I need. Incidentally, that's what I said to the surgeon when he said, you need a new hip. You know, it's instantly, it's the unrehearsed. What comes out of the mouth next, right? Oh, great. That's all that I need. And he laughed. I said, I thought I needed Dr. Scholl's inserts. <laughs> he laughed and I can still hear him. I thought, you know, I needed better shoes. No way. Was it wrestling my years or football? Mm, no, you just got bad jeans. <laughs> and they're not Levi's, right? Frustration, depression, right? This old friend gives us hope with days of depression and and, and life does have those days in our life. Some of the great servants of the Lord have had tremendous bouts of depression. Did you know that? I mentioned Spurgeon earlier. The poor pastor, that great man of the 1800s in London, he had such deep bouts of depression. He battled gout and other things. He would slip into that abyss. And the Lord himself would finally bring him out and be a blessing. But grief, oh, we know great days of sorrow and grief, don't we? All may fail us, but Jesus never. Despair sometimes. Often the words of the psalm, I said earlier, are the last words on the lips of a dying saint. Well, this psalm, these six little verses really unfold into two parts. You can take uh, verses 1, 2, and 3. And, uh, and, and draw a line there, because that's really the first part. And then 4 through 6 is the second part. And uh, we'll see that there are two functions of the Lord as shepherd, two functions, two things that he does for us uh, in caring for us as his sheep. And I'll remind you that it is the Lord Jesus who is the shepherd. He's the wonderful shepherd. John ten fourteen and that Good Shepherd discourses, Jesus taught us that. I am the Good Shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Well, the, the functions are in verses 1, 2, and 3 that He provides. He provides for our every need. And then verses 4 to 6, the second function, the Lord protects us from every danger in this life. And there is danger in them, there are hills. There is danger in life. Don't be naive about that. Don't be fooled. Well, verses 1, 2, and 3. First of all, we discover in providing our every need and that uh, he will 
that we will lack nothing, nothing of value, really. And let me say, it's not all your greed. It sounds like need, but it's something different. The Lord hasn't promised to give you everything you ever thought you wanted. But your every need, everything of value, and I've discovered him to be so generous, so much more and beyond, he provides. Well, first of all, in verse we discover, let's read the heading, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Well, he provides what? He provides rest. That's what he's talking about as a shepherd causing his sheep to lie down in the beautiful, lush pastures to find rest. Rest. First of all, note that the shepherd is, uh, is the Lord. In, in your Bible and mine, uh, in the English, every letter is capitalized. See that? Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's a way of, of delineating in the, in the Old Testament Hebrew uh, which word for Lord this is. Typically, uh, there's Adonai, which is not capitalized, means Lord. And then there's the word Yahweh. This is uh, the personal name of the Lord. It's a form of I am. I'm the eternal existent one. It's the Exodus 3, Revelation of Moses. Go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But Lord, who shall I say sent me? Tell them I am that I am. I am. And it, it's the same that Jesus picked up in the New Testament with, with I am the Amy, the Greek Amy. I am the bread of life. I am the way and the truth and life. I am the resurrection and the life. It's I am. Don't miss that. It means that God is eternal. He has no beginning, no ending. He's uh, self-existent. He needs no one. He never needed to learn anything. This is the tremendous God that is your resource and mine as shepherd who meets our every need. And he begins by saying that he gives us rest. He gives us rest. Oh, isn't rest a wonderful thing? And you don't realize how wonderful it is until you cannot rest. And sometimes pain will keep you from resting. Some of you know that well. Sometimes worry will rob you of sleep. Sometimes uh, grief. And other things. And you crave to have that. And in the normalcy of life, isn't it wonderful? After a day of exhaustion, a day of being spent, a day of being productive and feeling useful, you dive in bed and find a pillow and crawl under the cover and find sweet sleep. It's a wonderful thing. It really is. And that's the picture of the self-existent, wonderful God, the eternal I Am. He provides for his own rest. Oh, it's so great, isn't it? It is. Now, this, some have said, and I think it's right, number two, the sweetest word here is the word my. The Lord is my shepherd. My. He, uh, he is not just the shepherd. He's just not the holy other up there. But he's mine. He is mine, and I am his, David tells us. He's mine. I own him. Not that we bought him. We never could buy him. But God made me for himself. He made you for himself. I love that in the chariots of fires where, where Eric Little is running and practicing is running. Do you remember that in the movie? He's running and running. And he's late coming to worship. 
there in that uh, Scottish Presbyterian church. You got to love it. And he comes in, and his sister's picking up the hymn books after the service, and in walks Eric Little, and, and she thinks this running is a bunch of foolishness, you know. And uh, she tells her brother in so many words that, and he says to her, he says, you know, um, when I run, I feel, I, he says, I know that God has made me for China. And he did. He became a missionary and he died over there. But he said to his sister, God has made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I know he has made me for himself. And that is true. We have been made for him. And he, for, he exists for us. The Lord is my shepherd. He may not be that person or over there, but he's mine. Mine. I love that so much. It's so personal, so intimate, so wonderful. He is mine and I am his. Well, we're likened to sheep, aren't we? And in our day, it doesn't translate very much in our Western high-tech, high-speed day. We're not agrarian much anymore. Um, and so we have to translate. What does that mean, sheep? David didn't need to translate. They all knew what this meant. And in fact, a lot of the ancient Near Eastern manuscripts, the king was called the shepherd of his people. It's a very common motif in that day. But we are likened to sheep. You know that sheep lack everything? They really do. They are pathetic. Some of you probably, maybe, did anyone here do 4-H? Hey, yeah, some of you did. All right, good. Yeah, near the end, we were out there, and 4-H is a big thing. David called Faith and I the other week, said he's at the 4-H fair. And the kids will show their animals with pride and trying to win a ribbon, and there's the baked good and sewing and all that. It's a, it's a great time. And uh, some of you did that. John, you did that, right? I remember that. Back when? You, did you ever show an animal? What'd you show? You did show a sheep. I should have you tell us about sheep. You know far more than I do about that. Well, they lack everything. They're, it is said that they're the most helpless of all animals. We're sheep. We're likened to sheep. Helpless. Makes me think of a little baby. Dan was talking about the prospect of their baby coming. And uh, a little baby. Ever see anything more helpless than a baby? Oh, man. They are completely helpless. It's amazing when you see a horse, you know, like this Janae, a horse give birth to a little, uh, a little, little, little offspring, and within, I don't know, maybe moments or minutes, it springs to its feet. And, and, and calving a cow will, will it, like, you don't have to wait a year, you know, do the crawling process and finally stepping, you know, in a thousand falls or more, you know, springs right up. And a lot of the offspring, God is, but the human offspring is utterly helpless, like sheep. And God provides rest for his sheep. Rest, rest for sheep. Wow. It's odd, rather, that the psalm begins this way. You would expect the psalm to be filled with all sorts of activity and then rest, but he begins with rest first. And I think, in a way, it, 
It describes the Christian life because it begins with the Shabbat. The Sabbath means rest. It begins with rest. The rest that is found in Christ alone, really. Not only physical rest, but spiritual rest. The deep tiredness of our body, the tiredness of our soul as it seeks to find peace, fulfillment, and longing. It only comes from knowing Christ the Lord as our Savior, resting in the finished work of Jesus. That's what salvation is. It's resting. We come to the end of ourselves. There are a lot of folks that are trying to be good, right? I want to be good. That's one of the biggest misnomers of our day. You see it if it breaks into the common culture. People are trying to keep the golden rule, trying to keep the Ten Commandments. That's crazy. You can't do it. If you're lost, now we, God gives us the grace to strive to be his people, and that ought to be a characteristic of our life as we grow in grace. But never to merit salvation, you cannot do it. It is a finished work. And when God opens your heart, and many of you he has, you come to the end of yourself and discover, wait a minute, I'm a sinful man or woman. I'm lost. Christ died to make the only payment for my sin, and it paid for all of it. And uh, he said on the cross, it is finished. To telestai, the Greek word, victoriously finished. It is a finished work of salvation. For all who will gather and receive him, receive the gift of righteousness in our sin imputed to him. For he was made sin, Paul says, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Rest. Jesus said in Matthew 11, I have it on your sheet, Come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden. That sounds like us. Apart from grace, apart from salvation. Tired. Tired of it. Tired of it all. And the good shepherd, our Savior, our Lord Jesus, gives us rest. Isn't it great? Faithy fell asleep yesterday for a couple hours. She's been so wonderful taking care of me, and I've, I think I've exhausted her in more ways than one. She told me last night she's got to get a vacation. Yeah. I understand that. I'm not sure if that means I'm going with her or not. I'm not <laughs> she, I might just get in the car and go. I said, I'm not sure where that means. But, uh, but she fell asleep for a couple of hours yesterday, and she woke up and she said, I couldn't bring her up. I kept, I kept calling her, and, and she was like, deep down under. And then when she finally came around, she said, I was in that deepest of deep sleep, and I just felt so restful. And isn't that great sleep when you get that? That's just a little picture of what it is when we come to rest in the finished work of Christ. And he gives us rest, not only physically, for he grants sleep, or better, he grants even while sleeping to those he loves. More than that, the rest that is ours, that he cares for, the great need of our sin and salvation. Our shepherd stoops to take care of us. Well, the second, in verse 3, uh, B, though Jesus provides not only rest, but physical strength and stamina for his sheep. That's what he means when he says, in verse 3a, he restores my soul. He restores the word here, soul, Hebrew word, nephesh, some of you may know that word. It's translated in a couple of different ways, but nephesh, God breathed into Adam after he formed him. He became a living nephesh, a living soul. 
Uh, it's the Hebrew word for, in many cases, for life. And since shepherding is the scene, this probably refers to the restoring to physical health. And that's an amazing thing, how God made us, and we've, uh, we've mused on that before, how God made our bodies uh, to heal. And uh, it is a, it's a marvelous thing. I mean, uh, I often will say, and you've heard me say, you know, you get a little fender bender, and you've got to take it around and get the estimates and the quotes and get it fixed, and hopefully the insurance pays it, and if you, it's your fault, you pay the deductible and all that. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if the cars were much like our body, and you put it in the garage, and you go like, yeah, you know, like it's got a little fever, and I'm giving it fluids, in a couple of weeks it'll, it'll be back to, back to good again. Wouldn't that be great? The fender pops out, and the paint job gets just beautiful, and it's got that nice shine again, and you'd probably let your teenagers drive the car a little bit more if that happened, you know? That kind of a thing. And our bodies are, are just fearfully and wonderfully made, and, and how God lends us strength. It's amazing how he does that. It reminds me how weak and puny and frail we really are. Here's David, the mighty warrior, the shepherd, you know, uh, king. And yet he needed restoration of his soul, stamina and physical strength uh, to live and to move and have his being. It's a wonderful gift, this restoration of physical health. Some of you are in the midst of it right now, and we're praying for you. You know, you've had surgery, you broke this or that, and we've had a number in recent days. And some of you have been sick, you get the perennial summer cold or flu, and, and you know, who knows what the winter will bring. They talk about that swine flu and, and, and these kind of things. It may be interesting. And, and you get into that 10-day uh, thing, and you, you know, am I ever going to get out of it? And you get the night sweats, and and uh, God in his good grace and most every time brings us through, doesn't he? It's such a wonderful thing. David knew that. Jesus provides us with physical strength. He lends that to us. Sounds like Isaiah 40, doesn't it? They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Oh, we need that. I do. Well, sheep, sheep certainly do. You've heard, the, heard about cast sheep, have you not? A sheep there is, uh, is an anatomically f- uh, kind of a monstrosity, I guess. You know, thinking lay down in a little, little uh, crevice in the ground, I'm told. Uh, Phil Keller writes of this in the, the psalm, uh, the shepherd looks at the 23rd psalm and, and can, can sit in a little crevice and feeling pretty good and kind of roll to the side and it rolls to the side. He can't even get up on his feet. And he kind of fights that a little bit more. He rolls over. And, you know, within an hour or two, the way he's made, uh, not being able to get up, uh, the gases uh, of his internally in his body cut the circulation off of his legs, and he dies. I mean, what a frail thing. This thing called cash sheep. And, and uh, you know, they're out in the wilderness. You know, the shepherd alone is there. He alone can restore that sheep to, to, to life. He cannot get up on his own. And that's what the shepherd is to us. He provides rest, but he gives us strength. I, uh, I was a youth that had boundless energy um, every day. 
I thought sweep was a waste of time. I don't want to go to sweep. Uh, I love the days now. I don't have that boundless energy like I once did. But I do love getting up in the morning when I feel all energized again. You know what I mean? I feel like, whoa. <laughs> but what I've learned is I better get done the things earlier in the day that I really want to get done because I run out, the gas runs empty at before the sun or later. You know what I mean? It's not quite the same. I don't get the same miles per gallon that I used to. And, and so But the God gives strength, doesn't he? As we get older, you read, we saw that in Ecclesiastes 12, right? You better do the things you need to do before desire is no longer stirred, right? You sit there and go like, yeah, I sort of want to put my shoes on, but, mm, eh, you know, or a whole lot of other things by extension, right? <laughs> That's the way it is, strength. Well, the third area he cares in verse 3b, Jesus provides guidance as our shepherd for each one of his own. Uh, he uh, guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's, that means for his reputation. He, put, he, put, he fixes his reputation upon your life and mine. Wow. This guidance today is through his wonderful word. Oh, I love the word of God. It leads us. Steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. He leads us in paths of righteousness. That's right living. You know, if, you, you, if you're striving daily to be the man or woman you ought to be in God's grace, if you know him and you're growing in sanctification, you never have to worry about where you're going to be. God will take care of that. He will. He'll make sure you are where you need to be if you are the person you need to be. He guides us. He leads us in paths of righteousness, righteousness, right living. He's talking about character, Christ-likeness that he takes upon himself for his own reputation. He says, hey, that's Sobolski. He's got my name on him, and I'm making him into a trophy of grace. Different from faith and Rob and Bruce and Paul. Different, but all in the likeness of Christ. And I have a specific thing I want him to do and each one of us to do for my glory and my grace. And I determine the days for my glory, and, uh, and that's the way it is. He guides us. And don't you know, and you should memorize it, the book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the book. That little jingle is, uh, is gold. It's ruined my life. It's a way of softening my heart, tenderizing me. It reminds me again of my focus daily. I need to hear this early in the day. Or I get off, where is he? He's way over 50 acres away. He's in the wrong and you need it. This book will keep you from sin, and the paths of rightness, righteousness, or sin. Isn't that true? When we willfully sin and wander away, we're not usually saying, hey, where's my Bible? <laughs> no, I'm not ready. I'm, I'm not. That's what we need. Sin will keep you from that book, or this book will keep you from sin. That little sin, most of you know that. It's true. Well, sh- Sheep are such stupid animals. We're stupid. Simple. Simple. One man writes, probably color, I think, maybe the most stupid, stupidest animal on earth. 
One aspect of sheep's stupidity is their tendency to wander away from the shepherd. Now look, they can't take care of themselves. They don't know where they're going. They can't can't defend themselves. They fall down in the crevice. They roll over their dead. You know, that's us, right? And then they like, where's the shepherd? Okay, I'm going this way. You know, it's sort of like, it really fits us, doesn't it? And we sing that, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're like, you need to get hit with a two-by-four in the head. Hit repeatedly, about every hour. Maybe a two-by-six. Maybe you're a two-by-twelve. Whack. One day my father chased me with a two-by-ten. Whoa, I just, it never caught me as I ran down the driveway. You know, the problem with that is you have to come home. You get hungry. <laughs> oh, my. That's another story. But he guides us, and, and, and we have a tendency to wander away. Think of the prodigal. Oh, man, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. I'm going. I'm leaving. Mm. Mm-mm. No other livestock requires more careful handling than do sheep. He guides us. Aren't you glad of that? I'm so glad that, that uh, I'm not the pilot at the helm of this ship. I'm not. I want to just simply, day by day, keep my eyes fixed on the shepherd who cares for me and providing for my every need, and you need to do the same if you know him. That's it. It's not rocket science. It's trust and obey. It's walking with our Lord and enjoying his care. He'll guide you. You don't have to worry about that. He'll guide you. Whenever we've gone to Israel or Egypt or Italy or any of these places, uh, we all, I always hired a guide. Some places you have to have one. Some places you don't. But the guide will, you know, that's invaluable. Tell you all the stories, all the historical settings we have fun with and all the rest and Raz. And, but uh, the guide shows us the way. You can't be, you can't lead where you've not been. And the guide has been there, and our guide is the shepherd. And he knows the way best to lead us, and he provides for our every need. Oh, my. Well, he doesn't stop there. In the wonderful four through six verses of this, this psalm of, that is really gold, he begins by saying, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Let's stop there. The Lord protects us from every danger. He does. David knew that clearly. He was on the lamb for so many years, being chased by the king and his army. How about that? You say you have, you have enemies and you've been chased, have been chased by an army. Wow, that's serious business. Live on the lamb. And he knew the God's protection. He even lived in the Philistine cities at that point. He thought his life was over, and he faked insanity. You ever read that? <laughs> and God allowed that king to believe he was nuts and delivered him. Delivered him many, many times. God protects us. It's a dangerous world. Just this week, I was reminded, Faithy and I, and we mentioned it at Prayer and Study Fellowship Wednesday, that, that Matt Klotzbach, a dear uh, 
early love of our Sarah and, and uh, went home to be with the Lord, was killed this week. July 30 will never mean the same to us from, from uh, 2001. It was before 9-11 that year. He was killed by a drunk driver. We were reminded again. We were reminded all the time that it's a dangerous world. There are germs that fly around and we can breathe in and kill us. There are things that happen. You can fall down. I remember the sad case in a church gone by. I met an early widow, and, and they had worked with the youth and years, and, and she started crying. I didn't know her story, and she, and Jim, you know who I mean. And, and she told me her dear husband was up washing the windows on a ladder on their house and fell down. I don't know if he got caught in the ladder or fell down and uh, hit the ground, and he died. And I think she was washing the inside of the window. Well, how, how harmless can that be? He loved the Lord and went instantly to heaven. There's a friend we've met uh, at the coffee shop. Maybe you've seen him. Comes in on a little motor scooter, Clint. And I've developed a friendship with him through the last couple of years. And he kind of likes it. I hobbled in there this week, and he's in a wheelchair, and sort of was like the handicap sitting over in the corner. And he talks very slowly. He's a well-developed guy. He works on at the Y a little bit in the weight room and all that. And, uh, but he talks with very slurred speech and all that. And he was telling me this week uh, of the accident that, uh, that befell him that caused this problem. And I, uh, I was amazed. He was 25. He was running down the mountain in Steamboat Springs, Steamboat Springs, Colorado. He and a buddy. Who runs down a mountain? I guess there is a sport. I saw that once guy's running down a mountain. And he ran down, and he was, in his slurred speech, uh, I was listening to him, he said there was a house that was built into the side of the mountain, and he came running down. It had grass on the roof line, and he went down over the grass line and came down, and lo and behold, it was too late. It was the other side of the... He realized it was a... or He didn't know what it was. He turned out later it was a... And he went right down, 13 feet. Landed on his head, sustained brain damage, and uh, was in a coma for three months and been a wheelchair ever since. He was 25. And uh, he had surgery last week at Hershey. They put something in. They're going to flip the switch this Friday, and hopefully that will help him. I, we, we live in a dangerous world. Stuff happens. And even if you stay indoors, you say, I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to let my kids out. Don't do that. Be careful, but don't do that. And you might get hit by a frozen piece of something that falls from Roger's airplane. <laughs> it's green, they tell me, right? Blue. Oh, it's blue. <laughs> yeah, it's blue. I've seen the liquid. Yeah. It's a dangerous world. Don't be fooled. This is not heaven. Well, the nature and extent, A, of God's protection is pictured by David. He's able to protect us in the moments of greatest danger through the valleys. And there are many valleys in life, many. Valleys often contain wild men and wild animals. Wild men, wild animals. The valley of the shadow of death is as much a part of God's path for us as the green pasture. Did you know that? Take heart in that. That doesn't always lead us on the, on the easy path in the, in the beautiful pasture lands. Oh, we love that and like that. The valleys are as much a part of his plan for us as... 
the good times. Remember Ecclesiastes 7.4. Never forget this. Write this down in your heart. When times are good, be merry. Have a party. When times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. You don't know what's going to happen the next moment, nor do I. Well, two, the shepherd's tools, the rod and the staff. Well, they're what he uses to protect us from every danger. The rod he uses to both chasten the sheep and to count them. He chastens the sheep, his sheep. He calls them by name. They know his voice. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And he chastens us. What? He, he delivers us from ourselves. Sometimes we need a good spiritual paddling. He do. I do. You do. Those whom he loves, he chastens. He, it's, it protects us from ourselves. Thank you for that, Lord. It's not fun at the moment, but ultimately it yields great fruit. And the staff, it's the much longer tool of the shepherd. We're more familiar with that. It's used to destroy the sheep's enemies. Whether that's what David meant before he approached Goliath, you know, uh, the lion and the bear, uh, you know, approached me when I was a shepherd, and I did smote them. I love that old English. Did he whip them on the head with a shepherd's staff? Did he use his uh, slingshot? I, I'm not sure. But it, uh, uh, he, he, he took care of business. Well, that's what the Lord is. We, we see his instruments of the shepherd, and we know he's here, and he protects us. He saves us from danger, all the dangers in life until he takes us home. Even the scalpel of a surgeon, how about that? Even on the highways and uh, all the rest, he saves us. I'll never forget, and I've said it to you before, one day as a young boy, I was stepped off a sandbar at our summer vacation in Lake Erie at Long Beach, and, and I thought I was going to drown. I didn't know what to do. I hadn't learned to swim yet. You know, on the sandbar and off all of a sudden and uh, came to me by God's grace. My father said, if that ever happens, just go down to the bottom, push you off, come up, and get air and, and just yell help. And uh, amazingly enough, being out, I don't know, I, I can't remember as a kid, but maybe 150 feet, maybe 200 feet out. And my father was usually sleeping on the beach, you know. He heard my voice, and he came, and, and uh, I was just about distraught. And he grabbed me, and I never held on so tightly. God could have let me die at that point. He protected me and saved me. How much greater, and in all ways, does our Heavenly Father, does our wonderful Lord Jesus, does he protect us from the dangers that are fraught and all around us? He does. Well, B, his, the result of his presence and protection is it should set us free from fear. Free. A lot of us really struggle with fear. We're puny and frail and small and helpless. Not very bright. We are. We've learned a lot of things, but we can hardly remember. I've learned parts of, good parts of five languages, but I think I've lost more than I remember. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? It seems to be the way, and uh, 
we tend to think uh, of all the unknowns, and there's so many of them, and it, it can cause us to be very fearful. And the result of this wonderful shepherd who protects from every day, we, we need never fear. To be free from fear. For Jesus is always with us. We're never left alone, ever, ever, never, to the very end of life. Yeah, hear the words. And lo, I am with you always. All may leave us. We may be called to walk a path alone. And in my case, being wheeled off to surgery all by myself. You think, like, there you go. Never alone. You know, the only time the Bible ever says about someone being always with you, do you know what that refers to? Jesus said it once. He said, it, it is only the poor that uh, you always have with you. I mean, we ought to do what we can to help abate that and care for that, but you'll never put an end to world hunger and heart as much as we... The only other time that, lo, I'm with you, lo, the poor you always have. And so look at that. He's always with us. And so this allows an amazing banquet for us to enjoy his abundant provision, this table. You and you prepare a table before me in the presence of enemies. Like, wow, they're going to eat me up and destroy me. And the picture is, my shepherd is so wonderful, he serves like one of Faithy's Thanksgiving dinner tables right before my enemies. And if I were fearful, if you're scared uh, out of your wits, you, the last thing you're thinking about is eating. You know, your stomach's in knots, you can't even eat, even though this table is prepared, it's sumptuous and has all the wonderful things of life, you can't even think about eating it. But because our Lord is our shepherd, he takes care of us, he protects us. The picture is we can enjoy even at difficult settings his provision. Wow, we can feast with trouble about us, free from fear. And finally, David concludes by counting his blessings as God is the great giver of all blessings in verse 6. Look at it. And surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. In other words, be a part of my life all the days of my life. And afterward is the idea, I will dwell in God's house forever. God's blessing will pursue us like David throughout life as he pours out upon us his goodness. God is good all the time, and all the time he is good. And his kindness, that means his mercy. Wow. And if that weren't enough, God's home in heaven will be our home forever. Imagine that, to live in God's house forever. No wonder the best is yet to come. You ain't seen nothing yet. We see a lot of beauty. Our God is beautiful. The sunset and the, the beauty of the flowers and the beauty of little children and babies and the beauty of the earth and points and outer space. But we have not seen anything yet. Anything. The Lord cares for his own. He provides and he protects. He's our wonderful shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I wanted to share just a few things, just quickly. Don't write these down because I have some lessons for you. Just, I just thought of a few things that, that while I was way uh, on the sidelines uh, uh, in the recent valley, what God taught me. Here's a couple of things. Number one, the Lord is so good. 
He gave me a new hip. I mean, not too many years ago, I would have been confined to a walker and then a wheelchair. I mean, not too many years ago. I mean, titanium and cobalt, and they cut it open. I got a 10-inch scar, and boom. Praise the Lord. And if that weren't enough, I prayed for about 10 years that God would deliver me from my hypertension. And go figure. I go in for a hip transplant, and God cured my hypertension. I can't figure it. God is good. My blood pressure has been 114 over 52. In other words, I got a problem. I'm going to get faint because it's not high enough. I finally got it a little lower than Faithy's. <laughs> She's been like a teenager all her life with her 119 over 60, you know. And I can't figure it. I just give thanks to the Lord. Uh, I don't know what all that means, so I'll let them try and figure that out. But uh, anyway, God is good. Number two, life is quickly passing for me. The outer man is perishing. I've reminded that to a lot of men. You know, the Bible says, you know, the outer man is perishing. What's that mean? It's falling apart. <laughs> the inward man is renewed day by day by day. Wow. Number three, uh, I had to set down my, my tools of work for a while. I had to, I had to lay them aside. I took four books to the hospital with me. You know how many I read? Not a single page. What a, what a time. You know, there was a reminder to me clearly that one day soon, soon, sooner than we think, right? That I will set down my tools never to pick them up again. And you know that's true with you? I don't know what, you know, and we all have tools of our, our trade. And we'll set them down, and they'll be on the bench, and that's the way it'll be forever. I, I'll never forget that, going into my father's office uh, after he had died and seeing everything where he had laid it on his desk and in the office. I, I remember I took like a mental picture of that, never to pick up those tools again. That's a reminder for me. Number four, our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. They are marvelous. The healing process and all the rest, marvelous. You know, your bones are far more, uh, are far better than any implants. I remember Jonathan said to us once, Faith and I were horrified when he said, he was yay big. Ah, it doesn't matter if I break a bone or something else, I can always get new parts. <laughs> I said, uh-uh, nothing is like the genuine Real deal parts. You want to keep the originals. <laughs> wow. Number five, my family means everything to me. My wonderful wife cared for me. Thank you, dear. She tired out on it, watching over me in the hospital. I verily woke up one time to hear her really talking to the nurse who let me sit in the chair for an hour and a half. It was only supposed to be a half an hour. I was just drugged, leaning over like a drunk, I think. And my children came, and Sarah was there the week ahead of time, and, and my sons came in, and I drew such strength from their presence. In fact, when I knew they were coming, I mustered the energy to sit up a little taller in bed. Don't tell them. But I just didn't want them to see oh, the old man, you know. They, ch they chide me enough on that. Ah, you're an old guy, Dad. But I drew strength from them, and to see my strength in them. 
They, I, I would say I could whip both of you at the same time. I can't. I can't even, don't tell them that, but I can't even come close anymore. Number six, pain. Pain, pain, is, pain does funny things to your mind. I think we need to be especially kind to those who live with pain. And there are some in our church that do that. Pain is a, it's a blessing. I mean, it's a signal that something's not right in your body. I'm thankful for that. You know, if you walked along and you cut your foot open with a, you know, a bottle of glass and you're bleeding all over and you didn't even notice it, and you look down like, whoa, I just lost, you know, three units of blood and I didn't even know. You know, God gives pain. But to live with chronic pain, my heart goes out to dear people. Uh, number seven, you know it's the simple things of life that provide great joy. Don't miss this. <laughs> I, I was, this thing hit me in the face. It's the simple things. You know what? I didn't use money for weeks. I, I saw the hospital bill. I did run, run up a tab. <laughs> but it's the simple things. I didn't bathe for nine days. Oh, oh, oh. I grossed myself out. It was really simple things like a, a shower, wash your hair, shave. Simple things like, you know, uh, a meal. I lost my appetite, you know. Being able to dress yourself. I still can't get my socks on. And he said, don't worry about it. It's summertime. So I, you know, I saw, and so uh, one of these days, I have a thing that kind of put it on and bring, but it didn't work on my wool socks. So, yeah, one of these days, I can't touch my toes there. Uh, to get the mail, walk out, get the mail. Drive a car. I miss driving my car. I haven't driven since June. I said to Faith, "How about this week, Shannon? You're not ready yet." So she's, she's uh, especially being my right. I, I guess I might put too much force on or not enough on the brake or the gas. So, but simple pleasures like that. Number eight, the church family is so wonderful and so needful. We love you so dearly, each one of you, for your thoughts, your prayers, your kind acts, your messages, your meals, your cards, your visits. Some of you visited. Remind me you visited, because I looked at you in the hospital, but I really wasn't there. Did I tell you that? Mark came by. He was there with Faith that first night. And then somebody was in, I can't remember, and asked me two days later, hey, did Mark come by? I go like, no, I never saw him. <laughs> Faith <laughs> so thank you so much for, for that, for your help around in uh, words of encouragement. Reminded me again, you know, we need each other. We're in this thing together, right? Amen? We are, not just for this old guy. Number nine, when I couldn't do anything else, I could pray. And I prayed for all of you, all, every one of you. Look at every one, every one of you by name. And I didn't know exactly what was going on. I prayed for you. Number 10, don't miss this. This is a big one. Work is a blessing. I know we, we, we complain about it, but I'm telling you, idleness is a horrible thing. It is for me. Uh, more than ever, faith is going to have to shoot me. If, if I get to a stage where I don't have anything to do, I'll drive her insane anyway. She may shoot me. But I'm telling you, it is something to have meaningful 
work to do daily. It is far better than nothing. And I'm not good at nothing. I remember Haddon Robinson said, I've had times where I've been too busy, I've had times where I've not had enough, and I'm here to tell you, far busy is far better than not enough. I couldn't do anything. And the days are forever in length, and the nights are even longer. And so I'm so grateful. Work is a good thing. Find enjoyment in it. I don't care if it's the most menial work. It's better than nothing. And number 11 last, days of healing. They're a gift from God. I've learned that. I've embraced it. For it causes me really to think about what's important in life. It reminds me how weak I really am. How desperately I desire more than ever to be used by the Lord in the lives of others. To be the Lord's servant. To evangelize and to share the gospel. And I had occasion uh, laying in a low position to, to share with folks. And it's my yearning to, to catch men and women with the gospel and, uh, and then to disciple them. It's really important. Well, just a few. Lessons for life, we're done here. Number one, let me remind you, you cannot say Jesus is my shepherd if you're not saved. You cannot say he is mine. He is not the shepherd of all. There was a day when only eight people were saved in a floating box. And the great majority of people were drowned and went to hell. They could not say, my shepherd. You must be able to say that. You must own him as your shepherd. You call upon him today, Lord Jesus, save me from my sin. You must. Whether you're old or young, it matters not. There's only heaven and there's only hell. Number two, never forget that you're a sheep. Never forget that. We get to thinking we're, you know, self-reliant. Ultimately, we're really helpless, we're weak, we're vulnerable. We live on this rock that's suspended by nothing called earth. So, stay close to the shepherd. Stay close to him. Don't wander off. Number three, our Lord is so wonderful. He stoops to care for us as his sheep. (laughs) Isn't that? It blows my mind. He stoops to care for us as a sheep. And number four and last, I remind you that the Christian life is a journey. It's a journey. Mountain peaks, there are valleys. We go through the valleys, underline through. I know when you're in it, it doesn't feel like you're ever going to get through it, but he brings us through the valleys. It's a journey. And it ends at God's house forever. How great is that? Better than a White House. They had a little beer party here this week. Far better than that. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Wow. Well, the Lord takes care of his own. 